0: We are about to uh, enter the month of Elul and the High Holy Days, which um, is really the foundation for Lent and Holy Week in uh, Christianity. Uh, a lot of parallels there. I want to talk a little bit about those uh, next week. Um, there, are, there are a lot of series that I've been wanting to, uh, to do and um, I found that if I wait until I have them completed uh, and do them, I can't get everything that I want to do. So I'm giving you bits and pieces of various series. We'll try to get them where you can access them uh, to go through them. This is one that I haven't really introduced. But I want you to imagine yourself. All of a sudden you become conscious and you're on a road. And you're, you're told uh, to, to walk in that road sometimes... You're on that road alone. Sometimes there are other people walking uh, and they're following other people and 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 you don't know where the road began and you don't know where it's going. It's very hard to stay motivated on that path. And a lot of people, that's what this faith is about. This faith is they just came to the Lord and now they're on a path and they don't really have a sense of its beginning or of its end or what it's about. And so they tend to turn to the left or turn to the right or stop going Uh, making progress. So I I want to talk about what I call the Ancient Faith Future Hope uh, series, Uh, an understanding that our faith, this faith that uh, you and I hold, this trust of God, the God of Israel, and the trust of Yeshua, Jesus as Messiah, is more than just a decision to believe and receive salvation. The, The evangelical world, in bringing the gospel to as many people as they can, kept cutting pieces apart saying, this is the essential, this is the essential, this is the essential. And they finally reached it down to say these words and go to heaven. And in doing so, uh, that used to be an entrance into the whole of the faith. Now it's the whole of the faith all its own. And that's a problem. And that's really what we're up against. Uh, And we're in a world that really doesn't like that and doesn't like the rest of it, uh, which was not the case before either. And so we really have an issue. So this is more than just a decision to believe and receive salvation. It's a decision to join ourselves to a God, trusting that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him by faith and obedience. It's a decision to join ourselves to a people, the chosen people, Israel, and the people, the disciples from the nations who have come unto faith and under lordship of Jesus. And it's a decision to live a life that is contrary, in many cases, certainly different to the life that we would live if that God and those people were not who and what the scripture claims. So in some sense we have turned this into a decision uh, as if it was a decision that once you make the decision, that decision is set. It's much more like marriage, which is a decision to join yourself to a person that involves getting up every day and maintaining that decision in circumstances that you never thought you'd be in. In conditions that you never expected and yet the commitment is there and the intent uh, is that you continue to walk in that context. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's not a simple choice. It's a life commitment of today and tomorrow and each day until faith becomes sight and that will happen either through our death Or through the return of the Lord to establish the kingdom. And that kind of a decision requires endurance. I've been thinking about endurance in relationship to faith very seriously for the last six years. Uh, Braden's situation certainly brought that to the priority in the front of my context. I was amazed how many people spent their time trying to encourage me and I didn't need encouragement. I I needed comfort, but not encouragement and they were giving me encouragement. Nothing that has happened in our life in the last six years with Brayden or with Brenna has created a faith crisis for us. Our faith is secure for we know whom we have believed. And we know that he is able to keep that which we've committed unto him against that day. We, that, that has not been challenged. What's been challenged is getting up today and going through it. That's where the endurance has to take place. If it becomes a faith crisis, you can't, you can't endure Faith must be in place for you to endure. And so uh, I want to talk about enduring by faith or in faith in this context. And I want to talk about the issue of endurance in the context of this ancient faith and future hope. Now when I say that, what I mean is this path that you and I are on as we're walking. This path has been walked before been walked before by other people. If you look really careful, you can see their footprints. But you can't see them because they're not here. So when you look at their footprints, you're actually looking to the past. But their footprints are heading in a direction. And that direction is the future hope. And you have to see it in that way. This on-off switch of are you saved or are you not? Or as I like to say, is you is or is you ain't God's baby? is not what this is about. Certainly that's a part of it. But but life is tough. And it gets tougher as you get older. And if you have not developed a faith and a trust, you're going to get tipped over. You're going to get pulled to the left. You're going to get pulled to the right. You're just going to sit down and want to quit. But if you have a faith with endurance, you will Take those steps. Sometimes they'll be very small steps. And sometimes you'll only be able to lean. But that's what this is about. So I want you to look with me in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. we We're just, I'm going to use this more as a reminder. Less as, as the sermon text. But more as a reminder. Uh, and I want to pick it up at uh, verse 4. Verse 4 says, By faith Abel uh, offered uh, to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. See that footprint? There's a footprint in the path. One of the earliest footprints of this path is Abel. Good life, easy life, long life, none of those. But testified by God that he is righteous. Okay, And of course we know about his brother. If we continue reading, we have these words. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained a witness that before his being taken up he was pleasing to God. Enoch. Again, if you read the genealogies of Seth and of Cain, there are two Enochs. One is the son of Cain who has a city built after him. He's about fame and about permanence and about this life. And Enoch, was not because he walked with God and God took him. He's a nobody in this world, but he's a somebody in the world to come because he walked with God by faith. And the writer here says, without faith it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And then we have verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared uh, an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah looks at the world, sees its situation. God tells him, here's what I want you to do about it. Because this is what's going to happen. Well, that's never happened before. So do I trust God or do I go with what I see? Do I go with what I hear? Do I go with what I taste, what I touch, what I smell? Do I go with what seems to be real or do I go by the word of God? And Noah went by the word of God which both saved his household and condemned the world. He was not conformed to the world but was transformed. By the renewing of his mind, so that he knew what the will of God was. So this ancient faith is the faith of Abel, the faith of Enoch, and the faith of Noah. And we read of their faith, manifest in what they did, and we see their footprints in there. Those footprints go all the way back to the beginning of the path. Thank God we don't have to walk that part of the path but we know about that part of the path so that we know the direction that was there that they set and we know the struggle and we can see in the footsteps the faltering ones as well as the strong ones which can comfort us. Now this faith is also the faith of the patriarchs, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what we see in verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he's going. Man, it's great to say, here it is, here's the goal, get there. God didn't do that. This path does not have a visible goal. It has a promised goal. And that promised goal is just beyond the valley of the shadow of death. And so you walk to your death not knowing whether that thing is really there or not. Only trusting a God who you can't see who says it's there. No wonder we're mocked. No wonder it's easier for the things that are seen to pull us away than the things which are unseen. Then in, in verse 11... I love this chapter because it includes uh, the women in an equal context to the men in this struggle of faith. And the the faith of women and the struggle of women parallels, but is, is somewhat different than that of men in this context. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. The promise was made to Abraham and she was included in the promise and she had to trust as well. And while she had times of laughter and doubt, she ended up with a kid named Laughter. The happiness of the moment. (laughs) And then verses 20 to 21 of that chapter. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. He, 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 uh, he blesses the the children in the opposite order regarding what will happen. And then by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons uh, and the sons of Joseph worship and leaning on the top of his staff. I love that. Uh, he's, he's 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 leaning. He, doesn't quite have the strength he once had. He's pulling himself up in the bed. He's, he's weak. And he puts his arms crosswise to bless the children. And Joseph, a much younger man, is pulling at him and he's not letting go. Because he sees beyond. His faith is secure even though the outer man is perishing. So we have this ancient faith that is the faith of Abel, Enoch and Noah the faith of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac and Jacob who acted based on God's promises and endured. They, they started the pathway only based on the word of God and not based on what they could see and not based on a progress of seeing it becoming which we depend on in almost every aspect of our life. So This faith is an ancient faith, and our hope is a future hope, a hope that is beyond the present age, uh, and it is a hope uh, of this ancient faith towards a future hope that is beyond this life and therefore requires endurance. I want you to look at the passage in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses. Really, he's he's talking about the footprints. I know this is always like they're sitting up there watching you, cheering you on. That's not true. That's not what this verse is about. They are a cloud of witnesses. They testify to us that God is faithful. They are witnesses who give testimony. They're not giving testimony to you. Of what you've done. They're giving testimony of what God did with them. So that you will be encouraged to move forward. Let us also lay aside every cumbrance. And the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus the author. And perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him. Endured. There's that word again. The cross. Despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured, again the word, such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Boy, growing weary and losing heart is what happens when things get tough. So, we have to talk about endurance. Endurance. If I was doing the whole series, I'd go into all the words about it, but let me just give you the the Reader's Digest condensed version. The Hebrew and Greek words of the scriptures that address endurance, all of them, and there's quite a few, are all connected with the idea of standing firm against opposition and remaining in the midst of conditions and circumstances that present reasons to give up or change direction. Endurance is a steadfast commitment to the walk of faith and obedience and a rejection of anything that suggests a different path or an easier way to the goal, which is the promises of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have driven into the parking lot or near the parking lot of something, Disneyland, the beach, a theater, a mall, and seen cars lined up for blocks to get to the parking lot of the mall. And my immediate response is, I don't need to go there. I have to have a really good reason to endure that humanity. And the reality is, we have a reason to endure all of the things that get in the way because the promises of God are so great and so sure and so certain. But... We have to look at all the cars lined up and all the other stuff going on. So, this is about staying on task when the winds are blowing against you, when easier ways are going. I've always thought downhill is much easier than uphill. And so, uh, my approach to things is, I want to do the uphill first. Because if I do the uphill first, I will have the energy for it, and then I can come back downhill. But when I when I was young, uh, and stupid, I just went the easy way, and then I had to come back uphill, and a lot of times I didn't come back. Uh, you know, I found another way, or I said I don't need to go back. You know, uh, you you probably can't identify with that. So. The path that we walk is not a new path. The footprints that I've talked about of the faithful are there. And in that sense, the path is old. It is established and has sure direction. Which is very difficult for people in this day and age. Because they have no historical perspective. And they have no awareness of this. And they think they're making up this faith on their own. It's just them and God uh, doing it. But for us... This path is new. We have not walked it before. And those who went before us are not with us. We cannot see their end. We have the record of their endurance that I just read. But they end at cemeteries and gravesites. Every time I go past a cemetery, every time I go past a grave, I think to myself, is this an end or is it the place of hope? And only if you believe in resurrection is it the place of hope. Otherwise, it's simply an end. For us, this path is new. We haven't walked it. It ends at cemeteries and grave sites when we see other people. So we cannot see their end or their present status. And we do not see their promises fulfilled. As the book of Hebrews says, God did not give them the promises. They died in faith so that they would receive the promises when we receive the promises. Again, we have a theology that says, oh, they're all up there having fun in heaven in the New Jerusalem and all that kind of thing. None of that's true. They are at peace. They are in comfort. They are in bliss but they are not in the promises because the promises will take place at the second coming and we will be included in that. So, let me have you turn to a passage that I won't go through in detail today, but I do want to read it. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. For by these, talking about uh, his power and his goodness, he has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, there's the endurance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ." The one who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, have forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. This road has stumbling blocks. And you will only not stumble if you are fit for the trip. Now, when we were up in Seattle, I am convinced that everybody in Seattle is either on a bicycle or jogging. Or they're in a Starbucks getting caffeinated so they can ride a bicycle or jog. And the reason for that is that it's not possible to drive straight to anywhere in Seattle because of the roads and the road signs, which are meaningless. So, we saw a lot of people running and a lot of people bicycling bicycling. Now, I can run and I can bicycle. I can do both of those. But not very long. I can do do anything once and then I have to go to the hospital. Right? Uh, I don't have the endurance to ride the bike a long way. I have a friend uh, in the UMJC who rode from Dan to Beersheba in Israel on a bike. Um, uh, We have people that run and do marathons. Okay. I take the trash out and I come back winded, okay? Uh, There is an issue of endurance that involves the idea of uh, developing the ability uh, to do this because there are going to be obstacles. And so the training that you do for endurance is to train you because the obstacles are going to be, there's going to be uphills, There's going to be potholes, there's going to be stumbling blocks, there's going to be people in the way, there's going to be all that stuff. If you think that's not going to happen, you live in a fantasy world, and we do live in a fantasy world in America. Most of the world suffers much more difficulty day to day than we do, or you haven't lived very long. Eventually you'll find those out. So there are obstacles that we have to be prepared to address in this issue of endurance. Several situations and sources obstruct our path of faith toward the promise. These obstacles come from within us and there are also some that are external to us. And together they attempt to pull us from our commitment and from our progress in the walk of faith. And I want to talk quickly about uh, three of them. Uh, The first one is ignorance and apathy toward the scriptures. The Bible says we're to hear and do the word. Hearing involves the reading and memorizing scriptures. So think back. We're about to move into the month of Elul. And what we do, we usually do our spiritual progress thing. Think back over the last year. What verses do you know today that you didn't know last year? And if you can't obviously think of them you have slowed down. And your endurance is going to be affected. And it's not just memorizing Scripture, but doing Scripture. When have you actually had to apply Scripture to your life? Doing involves obedience and making obedience a priority and a habit. So that when we get to a difficulty in the path, we know what to do. If you get to the difficulty and then you have to go, I wonder what the Bible says about this. You have stopped at the face of the obstacle. And you need to be moving through the obstacle. And that's a waste of time. So one of those is ignorance and apathy of the world. The biblical illiteracy of Americans is at an all-time high. And the biblical illiteracy of Christians is at an all-time high. We are assimilated. second one is the temptations from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, many of you have ridden the uh, the uh, ride at Disneyland and Fantasyland, the uh, uh, Neverland ride. What, what is that? Uh, Peter Pan. Um, I'm not thinking of that one. Pinocchio. Yes, thank you. I knew it was a P word. Pinocchio. Uh, Where uh, there is the... uh, It's Treasure Island. Or whatever it is. That is calling and they've got... You can smoke and you can do this stuff. And then the boys turn into jackasses. And all that kind of thing. There is always a temptation of the world to pull us in a direction that says... You can have everything that God promises. Now... In this context. This is better than the promises of God. Take it. And then our flesh does the same thing. I want that. I deserve that. And in our entitlement narcissistic society. Our flesh is being indulged. And then we have the temptation of the devil. Who will give us false doctrine. Yes you can have it all. Prosperity gospel. Faith. If you have enough faith. No problem will ever come to you. Those kind of things and disruption among the brethren. He's not really a believer. He's not really a believer. We don't, we don't really associate with him. Those kinds of things will block us in the context. So ignorance and apathy of the word and then temptation from the world, the flesh, and the devil that I've talked about before. So I won't go into that in detail. There's a third one and I'm beginning to notice that much more in this younger generation And that is forsaking community. Uh, The book of Hebrews talks about that. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now it's not talking about going to church. It includes that. But the assembling of ourselves together is the idea that we are part of one another. The individualism of this culture has become radical and self-centered. Where we live our own lives. And it's caused us to forsake marriage family, congregation, and the communion of saints. We need the body of Christ. We need the various denominations and and expressions of this. And we need to know from those of the past how to walk appropriately. And we need to invest that information into those who are going to walk this path in the future when only our footprints are left. That is our children and our grandchildren. And, and we have talked about that, but it's especially true for our children and our grandchildren because they are going to grow up in a hostile, secular environment that's going to offer them all kinds of options to indulge in the flesh and to follow the world and to uh, ignore the promises of God. So, how do we do this endurance? This is my practical application. Endurance requires commitment, preparation, practice, and faith. And I tried to do the ordering of this and there's no way to do this because commitment involves preparation, practice, and faith. Preparation involves commitment, practice, and faith. Practice involves commitment, preparation, and faith. And faith involves all of them, right? So what are you going to do? So let me just do them in the order I wrote them down. Commitment is a decision to prioritize spiritual things, placing them into your calendar, that is, your time, your resources, that is, your money and stuff, your relationships, that's the people that are in your life, and your capabilities, that's your abilities and gifting. The key here is that commitment involves deciding to make it a priority that is going to have legs. You're going to actually create a plan. Which leads us to the planning. Preparation is planning. It involves pre-decisions. Rather than living in the present. With no prethought. Now if there's anything that, that addresses. The culture that we are currently in. It is everybody living in the moment. And as soon as a new opportunity arises, off they go. And another opportunity arises and off they go. Well, I thought you were going to do this. Well, something came up. What about this? Well, this is going to be better. A pre-planned commitment means I'm going to walk by these spiritual values. I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord and I am going to prepare it. So, what is your planning system? For the day. How do you prepare the day? Easy to drop a devotional time. Easy to drop a prayer. Easy to drop uh, uh, a visit or a call. Easy to drop those things when they're not planned. How do you plan the week? How do you plan the season? How do you plan the year? What's going to happen in this next year? And where are you in the time of life? That one's really a struggle. Linda and I are moving into this semi-retired way of life. We have we have very poor examples. My parents are gone. That's not much of an example. And Linda's parents are the energizer bunnies who get up in the early, early morning and are doing stuff constantly. Uh, and I don't have that kind of energy, so uh, I have two extremes. I got to find, uh, you know, the happy medium or extra large in there somewhere, you know. So some way I've got to find out how to do that. I was talking to Carrie and Dick. I I'm finding difficulty in slowing down. I know how to stop, and I know how to move forward, but pacing based on energy and time and circumstances is very difficult for me because I have forward and I have stop uh, and I I have to work on that. So preparation is this organizing this so that you know what you can say no to and what you have said yes to because those are spiritual priorities. Then finally, the practice. And this is where we don't go. This is is an evangelical problem. We study the Bible ad nauseum. But very little doing. Um, we, We are always trying to learn a new thing. And, oh, wow, that was great. But the application of that, the putting it into play, is difficult. Practice is the establishment of a habit with the spiritual disciplines. Very easy To stop reading the scriptures. Very easy to stop prayer until anxiety hits. Very easy to stop the practice of fasting. Very easy to stop the stewardships. Uh, Very easy to stop practicing the presence of God and the body of Christ. Because things just get in the way. And we have to say to ourselves, I have to do this. Until it becomes a habit. And then the habit has to be practiced well. Because sloppy practice makes consistency, but sloppy consistency. And so we have to have focused practice. And then faith is trusting that God is and that he is faithful. Ultimately, we have to decide uh, whether doing life the way God says to do it is best for time and eternity seen or unseen, or whether doing it our way is best. Do we trust ourselves and others or do we trust God? And that is the essence of what faith is. Faith's not this, I hope this works out. Faith is God has promised and he has said, walk this way. So do I trust him? Or as Dr. Lewis says, am I going to get ripped off? Am I going to get ripped off by following God? I think God's just there to cramp my style. That always is our struggle. Do we trust this God to do something? And the testing of Abraham is the the total example. Take now the promise and kill it. Do you trust me? Or do you trust the promise? Do you trust the one unseen? Or do you trust the one that you can see? That ultimately, that testing of Abraham is the testing of all of our faith. This ancient faith towards a future hope. And Abraham got it. That if God can raise the dead, then anything can be fixed. Nothing can rip us off. Nothing can separate us. From the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So endurance has to be built up. It can't be established at the last minute when you go into crisis. You and I live between the time of those who walked before us. And those who will walk after us. Those who walked before us were faithful. And now we walk it. And we must be faithful. Our children and our grandchildren are going to walk it after us. Or maybe they won't. So we must be faithful. So that they will recognize our footsteps. Along with the footsteps of the ancients. Towards that future hope. That is sure and certain. Beyond the veil of death. Let's pray.